today's video, I'm going to answer your questions. Any questions you have, it's going to be about investment, finance, anything coronavirus related, economy related, better understanding of owner's earnings and begin to use it yourself and evaluate companies yourself. How to think in probabilities, not certainty. And that's essentially what you have to do as, in, as investors. Today I'm going to show you everything about owner's earnings, how to calculate it, why it's so important, what goes into it, why it's one of Buffett's favorite metrics to use, how I use it to evaluate every single company I look at. Talking about specific value, value investing concepts and techniques. We're going to talk about why you must read companies' financial reports um, and why you cannot just rely on the numbers. in a couple minutes and start talking about oil today and it's price crash I'm going to while we're waiting for people to come on I said I was gonna be on 1230 we're a little bit early waiting for people in the comment section about what I've been researching for the last day plus with this oil craziness frankly so you have a reference uh, what's go what I'm going to be talking about. Also, while we're waiting, please let me know where you're watching from in the comments section. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm gonna, after I talk about the oil stuff, I'm going to answer any and all questions you have about economic stocks, investments, real estate, coronavirus, long-term economic impacts, whatever questions you have. I'm going to answer them after this kind of initial video or initial talk on oil and the oil prices and not only what happened and but how it's going to affect you more importantly so okay I'm almost done posting the links the reason I'm posting these links is because I'm the type of person who doesn't trust sources frankly um, unless I can read them myself. So this is the reason I I source pretty much everything I write, either write and or research. Uh, so I want to source everything for you so you kind of understand what the context of is of what I'm talking about. Okay, so again, if you're just coming on, we're getting ready to start. Thanks for watching. Um, today I'm gonna answer your questions about the oil price crashed yesterday of 300 and I think it was 306 percent might have been higher than that at one point oil prices went negative for the first time in history on a per, per barrel basis um, so I'm going to talk through what happened and my assumptions of what could happen based on my knowledge of economics and history okay so obviously we're dealing with unprecedented time unprecedented times here with the coronavirus and this is having major ripple effects throughout the entire economy. I've talked about why I think the market's being manipulated in past videos. I've talked about how this is going to, frankly, possibly destroy many tourism, restaurants, theaters, um, cruise ship companies. And how that is going to, again, send a ripple effect out with the, the unemployment. I've talked about a bunch of things in these lives. Today, I want to, I'm going to talk specifically about the oil price crash, what happened, and how it affects you, and what what could happen based on the oil price crash. Um, I want to preface this entire video. I don't claim to be an expert in oil and gas stocks. Frankly, I do not invest in them personally because they are too complex and they are too much based on future assessments, future assumptions, and oil in the ground that either is incredibly difficult to get to um, or in some cases impossible to get to. Again, I do not claim to be an expert in this arena. I'm gonna preface this entire video, but I, over the years, over the last 13 years, I've studied enough economics, studied enough world history, studied enough business history that I know enough to make assumptions about what may and may not happen in the past. And I can also tell you what happened and what may happen going forward. Um, so having said that, again, thanks for watching. 
I've got sources in the comment section. Let me know if you have any questions in the comment section. Let me know where you're watching from. So yesterday, oil prices crashed by 306% from, I don't remember what the number was, what it started at, but it was down as low as about negative $40 a barrel yesterday. Um, oil prices were. They've rebounded since then as of this recording right this second at 12.34 p.m. Eastern time. Oil prices are at $5 a barrel, so they've risen about $42.73 per barrel or 113% today to $5 a barrel. What happened? <laughs> because demand was kind of going like this for oil, straight up, we were being more productive, we were producing more, people were doing more stuff, um, planes were flying more, all that kind of stuff. We've been on a trajectory like this using more and more oil over the last 100, 120 years. And then all of a sudden, things just stopped. Again, I've talked about this in world history. I don't think I can not recall a time in world history in all my studies that the world's economy has just stopped. And that's what happened. So demand went like going from going kind of up like this to like this. We capacity again by my research over the last couple of days is capacity or potential supply or demand, sorry, was about 100 million barrels of oil per day at kind of max capacity, uh, which was probably December, January timeframe. Capacity now is estimated to be at somewhere in the 75 million barrels per day range. So 25% drop in about three months time. Companies are producing more and more gas, but demand has gone like this. So demand is just cratered. What that means for the oil companies is that they essentially, if these numbers are correct, based on my research, that we have an excess of $25 million, million barrels per day right now of excess production when it comes to oil. What happened yesterday is why the uh, oil prices crashed by 300 plus percent is because the storage space, and again, I don't, I don't know exactly what this considers. It could be barges off the coast. It could be storage facility. It could be your backyard. I have no idea. Again, I don't study and I don't invest in personally oil stocks. But the storage capacity is supposedly becoming full worldwide for oil. That sent the market into a bit of a freak out and people sent these futures contracts on the oil prices and the barrels for oil negative yesterday for the first time in world history. Futures contracts are essentially these people are agreeing to pay today's price for oil in the future. Um, yesterday's contracts were May contracts that went negative. Again, this is going to be complex. Uh, I apologize for that. I'm going to try to explain everything as simply as I can. Um, if you have any questions, let me know. If you need me to explain something better, let me know. Because this early part of the discussion is very important for what's what I'm going to talk about later. So futures contracts were in April. Companies yesterday were buying May or selling May contracts. And the price for oil went negative on a per, per barrel basis. What that means in a real world sense is that oil companies were producing the oil and literally paying people to take the oil away and store it somewhere. Again, oil, oil, oil storage is already at or near capacity if you believe sources. So what are they doing with the oil? Frankly, I don't know. I haven't seen any information on with with oil uh, storage facilities being pretty much full. I don't know what they're doing with the oil. You can't just throw it on the ground. Um, that's incredibly illegal and incredibly bad for the environment. You obviously can't do that. I don't know what they're doing with the oil. So let's get back. That's why oil prices kind of cratered yesterday. Demand has, was going up like this completely stopped with the world economy 
um, less people going out, less people going to work, less people traveling, all this kind of stuff. Demand just cratered. This goes in with the, uh, the oil price war that started about the same time as coronavirus stuff, mid-March, I think, um, with Saudi Arabia and Russia and OPEC, uh, the so-called OPEC plus nations, not uh, being able to agree on a production cut in terms of oil. They agreed with the United States, I think it was United States, Canada, and maybe Australia, agreed to cut a total of 10 million barrels per day in oil production, might have been last week or the week before. So they finally came to an agreement. But that brings, let's say the estimates are correct, 100 million barrels per day current production level. That brings us down to about 90 million barrels per day. So we're still at about 15 million barrels of oil per day of excess capacity. Because, again, according to my research, we're about 75 million barrels a day of demand right now. And that's probably going to be even lower going forward. That's what oil prices created. Futures contract, company, people buy oil price or oil today at XYZ price a month from now. There's also a June contract, which according to my research, again, I, the reason I'm saying this a lot is because I do not. As I said in the beginning of the video, I do not claim to be an expert in oil and gas. And I personally do not invest in oil and gas stocks because of how complex they are and how much things are based off macroeconomic events like we're seeing now that are not in their control. There's also a June contract, which one month out is the futures contract is supposed, supposed to be the kind of real gauge of demand that price fell about 25 percent today which means that traders are expecting june demand to crater again which again i don't know why these prices frankly haven't dropped faster um because you can see from the economic numbers and the data that we have way too much supply right now of oil and demand is just falling off a cliff so again, I don't play in the trading game. I'm a long-term value investor. Uh, I don't play in the short-term kind of one one week, two months type of thing. I'm thinking in terms of years or decades is what I invest in. So I don't play in this arena. But it's important because not only does this affect you on an everyday basis with the gas prices you pay, we'll get to that in a bit, It affects the entire industry, the oil industry. So let's go through this kind of step by step. If you think of oil, you probably think of getting gas in your car, something like that. If oil, if gas stations aren't making money selling gas or uh, gasoline and oil, which is oil product, gasoline, will they close? Will gas stations close? Frankly, I don't know the answer to that. I haven't seen the answer to that anywhere. But logically kind of going through things in my head, I've evaluated personally oil and gas stations as a potential investment. Years ago, I looked at purchasing a set of gas stations as a potential investment. Found out that their profit margins on the sales of gas are about 1% on average, which is pretty much nothing. Gas stations make most of their money getting people into their stores to buy things like snacks, sandwiches, drinks, all that kind of stuff. That's where they make their money from. They don't make money on gas sales for the most part. That's just a way to kind of get people into the stores. That's why you, you see um, gas stations where I live in the Tampa area, Wawa is huge because they have what's perceived to be and what is really good food and really good food quality compared to most gas stations. That's where they make most of their money. So fewer people are going out. Fewer people are getting gas at gas stations already. With gas prices negative and or super low, will gas stations stop selling gas? Again, I haven't seen an answer to that from anyone. But logically, if they're not making money on gas already at normal prices, fewer people are going out to get gas. Few people are coming in the stores because they don't want to go out. They're not spending money on gas because they're not going out and they don't want to get people sick or get sick from the coronavirus. Gas stations are likely getting hammered right now. They are 
very low profit margins right now, gas stations. So if they are not making any money on gas sales and they're not getting people in, logically, it just kind of makes sense. That's the first thing I saw when I saw this yesterday. Are gas stations going to stop selling gas? Logically, it doesn't make sense for them to sell gas right now because of all the things I just mentioned. Does that mean they're going to stop selling gas? I don't know, to be honest. I think the federal government would probably tell them they have to stay open. But if they go bankruptcy or file bankruptcy in mass, they can't stay open. So I don't know what the answer is here. Um, to be honest, again, this is why I said at the beginning, I do not claim to be an oil and gas expert. Uh, but just logically, based on my experience and study of history and economic history and world history, logically, that's the first place I went to. The oil, oil and gas shortage in the 1970s. Is that going to happen again? I don't know. But I told everybody in my family to go fill up their, ga their gas in their cars yesterday when this started happening because we don't know what's going to happen. So that's the first level of things. Gas stations. Where does the gas come from, though? Where does the oil come from? Oil producers. No company on earth is profitable at oil prices below about $15 a barrel. Saudi Arabia comes the closest, allegedly, and I say allegedly because I talked about this in a couple of videos ago. Most countries outside the United States are not reporting information right now, but I've done research and the best kind of information that people can glean is that based on data, Saudi Arabia is the closest they can make money at about $15 a barrel or a break even, sorry. Above $15 a barrel, they make some money. Russia is profitable in the $30 to $40 per barrel range. United States manufacturers and producers of oil are profitable above about $45 a barrel. So what this means is that no company on earth at these prices are profitable when it comes to producing oil. None. I read an article this morning, again, one of the ones I linked to the left in the comment section, or it's on my left at least. African countries, for example, Nigeria, I read an article this morning. They are need a break-even price to kind of balance their budget at about $90 a barrel. Not even close to that. Saudi Arabia, the break-even price for, I think it was balancing their... Um, um, GDP or balancing their budget deficit or whatever the wording was, was like 30 or $40 a barrel. Saudi Arabia is the world's cheapest producer of oil. If they are not at a break-even price for their economy, in terms of their budget deficits and stuff like that, at anything lower or anything higher than 30 to $40 a barrel, and again, we're not even close to that, we could be seeing not only companies collapse, and I saw another article, again, linked to the left in the comment section. An economist estimated um, that more than 1,100 just U.S.-based companies, oil companies and oil producers, could go bankrupt within the next year with oil prices, I think it was below $40 a barrel or $20 a barrel, sorry. Meaning if oil prices stay below $20 a barrel for six months, year plus, we could have... 1,100 plus companies in the United States go bankrupt. More than 150,000 Americans work directly in the oil kind of production and manufacturing arena in the United States. If you broaden that out to companies like Chevron and Shell and ExxonMobil, we're talking about potentially millions of people losing their jobs worldwide. Potentially millions more on top of the millions that are already unemployed. Plus, these companies would go possibly go bankrupt. Again, I don't think, and I'll talk about this in a little bit more, why well, I don't think this. But I don't think the, the huge companies, Exxon, Chevron, Shell, I don't think these ones will go out of business. The smaller ones probably will if oil prices stay at these prices. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, why that's important. So not only could millions of people lose their jobs because of this, Worldwide, companies worldwide could go out of business. Thousands of companies worldwide. Countries, entire countries' economies could collapse. Again, I linked, I this should be linked in the comment section. 
entire company's economy or country's economies could collapse. If you think of Middle Eastern countries, most of their revenues, their government revenues are based off of oil and gas. Russia, Venezuela, some African countries. These kind of countries, most of the or large parts of their economies are based off the production and sale of oil and gas. If oil prices remain, again, and no company or country on earth is profitable below $20 a barrel or $15 a barrel. So we could see, I read an article yesterday, that we could see countries collapse. Specifically, watch the Middle East, African countries. Venezuela's already collapsed. Um, I, I haven't, and I haven't heard much news from Venezuela while this whole stuff is going on. I can't imagine how bad it is down there. Um, Russia could be in trouble. If countries collapse, we're not talking about global depression like we saw in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. We're talking about probably, frankly, horrifically bad, unimaginable pain and suffering for people in those countries and people around the world. Not only from the kind of military aspect, these countries, some of these countries have nuclear weapons and chemical weapons and stuff like that. But if we're seeing entire countries collapse, look at what happened um, in the Weimar Republic in Germany after World War One. World War One, Weimar Republic in Germany was set up to pay. <laughs> I guess they were set up to pay reparations to the allies who won World War One. Um, United States, Great Britain, um, France. I think there was a couple others. They had to pay reparations for starting World War One and causing all the pain and suffering in World War One. Weimar Republic, after it was set up, had to pay such a large amount of reparations that they then saw hyperinflation, riots killings, uh, and eventually the collapse of the entire government, which led to the rise of Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party. Again, I don't like to talk about this kind of stuff. Super optimistic, super happy person all the time, but I've also studied history. What we're seeing now could lead to countries collapsing or let's, let's even back up further. Gas stations not selling gas. Potentially millions of people losing their job. Thousands of companies going bankrupt. Countries collapsing. Again, I can't overstate, unless you've studied history, frankly, I cannot put this into words how horrifically bad this could get with these oil prices and what it could lead to in some of these countries in the Middle East and Germany and, uh, or not Germany, Middle East, Russia, Venezuela, some African countries whose economies are mostly based on oil and gas. I can't emphasize how much or how bad this can get, except for saying similar events in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s led to the rise of Adolf Hitler. When economies collapse, when people lose their jobs in mass, when people can't... Um, pay for their kids' food and education and shelter. Bad things happen in world history. Really bad things. World War II, depending on estimates, led to between 60 and 100 million deaths. If you include stuff like um, um, the Russian gulags and the Chinese Cultural Revolution, um, which also was part of, in, in part, World War One or World War II, sorry, uh, the Japanese death camps, the uh, uh, Italian fascism, all that kind of stuff. And again, going back to that, that, specifically the Italians, I read an article probably a couple weeks ago now that the Italian government is worried about the mafia in southern Italy taking control of southern Italy because people in southern Italy, which is the poor part of Italy, cannot work, so they don't have enough food for their kids. So they're taking food 
from the mafia to feed their kids and their families, which in turn will later lead to favors for the mafia. This, all of this stuff I've talked about in the last several videos is really bad, frankly. The economic news I've told you is going to be horrible in the second quarter, or it's horrible now, it's going to get worse in the second quarter. 22 at least million Americans are out of work in the last month. Probably a similar number in countries around the world. This, the oil price crash, again, this is all combined, but the oil price crash is the scariest thing to me. Because of the historical impacts of countries collapsing. When the Weimar Republic collapsed and the, the I think it was the Mark, collapsed and due to hyperinflation and stuff like that in the 1920s, that led to the rise of Adolf Hitler because people wanted somebody they could believe in that was going to help them. Um, I'm not saying it's right, obviously, but the reason Hitler rose to power was because was because people wanted somebody to believe in. People wanted somebody they could blame, which in that case was the Jews. Um, again, not rightly, but that kind of extremism is possible when countries collapse. This is incredibly scary. I saw yesterday that that um, and I don't even want to bring her up because she annoys the crap out of me. But Alexandria Orcasio Ortiz, I think is her name, the um, socialist um, socialist congresswoman from New York, pretty much cheering the collapse of oil. Why? Because she's likely hasn't studied history. B, because she doesn't think of, yes, this is going to help the environment. But in the short term, this could lead to literally everything I just said. Countries all the way up to, from gas stations not selling gas, millions of people losing their jobs, thousands of companies going out of business, and countries collapsing. She hasn't thought about all that. She just thinks about how this is going to help the environment, which, again, is a good thing. But... You can't help the environment if countries are collapsing. You can't help the environment and cheer millions of people losing their jobs, potentially countries collapsing and stuff like that if you studied history. Because, again, this is insanely scary stuff. If we're talking about – and these – the country collapsing articles, these are from huge websites. These were from, like – um, uh, CNN, um, Fox Business, stuff like that. These weren't just people kind of talking about stuff on random websites online. These were from huge websites. I'm I'm reading um, Ray Dalio's book, Big Cri uh, Big Debt Crisis, right now. The parallels, and I just got to a, the section where he does an in-depth case study. I just finished the one on the Weimar Republic. He's going through right now um, about. To 300 pages in, he's going through a case study on the U.S. during the Great Depression. The parallels are scary, a lot of them, in terms of the monetization of debt, the issuing of money, um, the mass and rapid unemployment, interest rates. The parallels are scary. And today with Trump announcing um, that immigration, he assigned an executive order to stop immigration. Herbert Hoover did the same exact thing in World War II or um, in, during the Great Depression, in the early stages of the Great Depression. The parallels are scary. People are talking about how we're looking at a potential major recession. I mentioned this a couple of videos ago. I think we're looking at a depression-type situation worldwide. Again, in time, the U.S. will be fine. In time, we have the resources. We have Typically, we have great people here. I don't The leaders... Eh. But the people here are great, hardworking, honest, honorable. In general, people are great here. We don't have a huge – well, depending on <laughs> your political slant, we don't have a huge amount of corruption here, at least overt corruption. The countries I'm worried about are the countries I mentioned, Middle East, um, the countries I mentioned in last week's video, India. Indonesia, Philippines, countries that do not, Central American countries, most South American countries, probably outside of Brazil, 
do not have the resources for this kind of long-term issue, especially if their economies are tied to oil and gas. And frankly, I don't see how this is fixed anytime soon. Like I mentioned again in last week's video, I don't know what the answer is. We can't just open the economy, even if we open up the economy worldwide tomorrow. I don't. I think fewer than 20% of people will go out like they used to before, which means demand will be down still. 70% of the U.S. economy is based on consumption. If people aren't buying stuff. 70% that affects 70% of the U.S. economy, and probably similar proportions worldwide, up to and around 40 to 50% of GDP is probably based on consumption, at least worldwide. People aren't buying stuff. That's like taking 50, or at least in the United States, taking 70% or seven out of 10 dollars out of the United States are just gone. Again, consumption hasn't stopped completely, but it's stopped by a huge amount. This goes into everything with the oil and gas. People aren't consuming stuff. They're not going out. They're not driving their cars. They're not traveling. This is why oil and gas prices cratered. Again, let's say let's say you're a crazy, crazy left-wing person. Let's say you want oil and gas to stop tomorrow. You want you're getting your wish essentially. But this is going to lead to really bad things. Really bad things. You can't just stop an economy and transition to an entirely new energy source like that. That's not how it works. Really bad things are going to happen. Not only at a personal level. Okay, so let's take that even a step further. So on a personal level, oil and gas prices. If they stay this low, millions of people worldwide could potentially go out of, uh, could go on unemployment that are already not on unemployment. That's millions of more people worldwide who can't pay their bills to banks, to credit card companies, to car loan companies. I talked about in this in a previous video. If banks and car companies are not getting paid, their profit margins are incredibly low, and they're going to go out of business. If, again, let's say you're, you hate the banks. Let's say you think all bankers are evil. If banks go out of business, people can't get loans. People don't have credit. People can't pay their bills. If people can't pay their bills, this is an entire cycle. It just keeps reinforcing itself until we figure out how to get out of it. And getting back to my original point, I don't know what the answer is in terms of the overall economy and starting it back up. Um, I don't know what the answer here is in the oil either, to be honest. I've done some research on just the, the capping of oil wells. So uh, this is a question that logically you might lead to. Why don't they just stop producing oil? They could. But idled, and the, the wording here is important, idled wells, oil wells, can lead to explosions can lead to leakages into ground um, soil and groundwater and can lead to stuff like that. Again, horrible stuff. If you cap, it's called capping an oil well. I, I saw, where is it? And this one, um, I don't know if I linked this one. I'll link this one. Okay, no, I linked this one. So this is the frack tracker link. Idle wells, they're estimated to be a million in the United States. Not only do these have similar problems as um, explosions, leakages, um, all that spills, all that kind of stuff, but if you cap an oil well, it's enormously expensive. I saw an estimate in, again, I think it was that article, um, the frack tracker one, $31,000 to cap an oil well, and there are a million in the United States that are already idle. By estimates, that's $31 billion, billion dollars to cap all the oil wells. I couldn't even find an estimate of how many, how many oil wells there are in the United States just by itself. I couldn't find that estimate. So let's say it's, um, let's say it's 10 million. That's $310 billion just to cap the oil wells. 
Plus, if you cap an oil well, it oftentimes damages the oil well, so you can't ever use it again. So you can't just stop production. At least unless you were willing to spend billions of dollars to do it and potentially destroy your investment forever. Again, let's say you're, you think we should be off fossil fuels completely. Okay, let's, let's, let's say we do that. And again, we probably should over time. But you can't just do it. It's not doesn't just happen like that. Let's say you say this is a good thing and we should be off fossil fuels. We should never never use fossil fuels. 120 years ago, we didn't know anything that fossil fuels was going to cause massive damage to the environment. We didn't know that. We just needed to produce more and create more and make more because people demanded it. 120 years ago, we didn't know that. So hindsight being 2020. We probably shouldn't have done that to the degree that we did. We shouldn't have become as reliant on oil and gas as we should have. But again, that's hindsight bias. You can't go back and say that because we didn't know that then. But let's say this is a good thing. You think this is a good thing, oil prices crashing and all this stuff. And none of the stuff I mentioned happens. None of the unemployment happens. None of the job losses happen. Um, none of the country collapse ha happen. Let's say we live in a dream world and none of this happens. And we can start tomorrow with solar and wind and thermal energy and wave energy, whatever, whatever energy we want to use. It will still cost hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars to refit our entire economy to work on those kinds of energy sources. Hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars. So people don't think about these kind of things like, Alexandra Ocasio-Ortiz. I think she's super smart. I think she's wrong on a lot of stuff, but I think I don't think she's dumb. People call her dumb. I don't think she's dumb. I just think she doesn't think about these second, third, and fourth order effects. She thinks oil and gas companies, bad for the environment, um, stuff like that, good that they're stopping. She doesn't think about these second, third, fourth, fifth order effects and levels of things that this could lead to. And I'm not saying could lead to that it's going to happen. I'm saying it's possible because it's happened in the past. Again, Weimar Republic after World War I had huge reparations bills to pay to the Allies, had huge bills to rebuild the country of Germany after World War I. Couldn't afford that, so it started printing a lot of money, which caused hyperinflation and interest rates to go crazy and the entire collapse of the country, which led to Adolf Hitler. This isn't hyperbole. This isn't speculation. This is what happened back in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. This is what happened. Adolf Hitler tried to gain power earlier than he did. I think it was right after World War I. He failed and was thrown in jail because people were still, I don't want to say good people. That's not the right wording. But people were still hopeful that the... German country was going to make a fast comeback and it was, the economy was going to come back really fast. When in the five, 10 years of horrible unemployment, horrible hyperinflation, kids starving, all that kind of stuff led to the directly led to the rise of Adolf Hitler. Again, <laughs> in these videos, you probably can't tell, but if you know me in person, I'm always smiling, always super optimistic, always happy, always looking at the bright side of things. I'm telling you this because, again, the first thing that popped in my mind was our gas station is going to stop selling gas. Then I started thinking about the third, second, third, fourth, fifth order effects of what that could mean. Oil prices at or negative levels or at positive but unprofitable levels and negative levels. I kept thinking through that and doing research on what could happen. Again, combining this with my 13 years of experience in economics and investments and finance and reading more resources yesterday. This is what could happen. And again, the parallels already to the Great Depression are scary. Scary. Some of the exact same stuff is happening that happened in the 1920s, 1930s right now specifically in the 1930s, 
when I read yesterday that Herbert Hoover um, completely stopped immigration, and then I saw that this morning that Trump is stopping immigration, it was really it was kind of freaky, to be honest. And again, I don't get into politics here. I think all the politicians are idiots. Um, if you know me, <laughs> I've probably said that to you before. I'm not a right or left person. Um, I'm an independent. And I think pretty much all politicians are, politicians are idiots. But some of the parallels we're seeing from the Great Depression time period to today are scary. Exact same stuff happening. Again, I hope it doesn't get to this, obviously. I don't want it to get to this, obviously. But the parallels are scary. I'm a, I am love history. I've always loved world history. I've studied it even more. I love financial history. And I study that enormously. The parallels are scary. Again, am I saying we're going to have another Adolf Hitler type rise? No, I'm not saying that. Am I saying it's possible? Yes. Because if countries start collapsing, that will be possible. And it's probably, frankly, probable that somebody crazy will rise to power in one of these countries if the countries collapse. This, the oil price, again, all this stuff I've been talking about, the banks closing, the businesses closing, all of it's scary. This is the worst because a lot of the Middle East, Russia, Venezuela, a lot of the countries in Africa, not only are these generally poorer countries in terms of per capita numbers, obviously the UAE is, is different, um, but on a per capita basis and in general, these countries are poor. So they'd be affected more than we would in the United States. Not only that, most of these countries don't like us <laughs> in the United States. Countries like Venezuela, Russia, specifically, really don't like us in the United States. So this is, again, not only scary on an economic basis and a historical basis, but in a real time right now, again, based on my study of world history, this is this oil stuff is scary. And to see somebody like a U.S. congresswoman pretty much cheering that the oil price is crashing, again, doesn't mean she's dumb, but it means she doesn't think about the effects, the multiple wide-ranging negative effects this is going to have on not only America, but countries around the world. Do I know what oil prices are going to do in the future? Is No. Oil is worth more than zero. I don't know what price it is, but it's worth more than zero. But if demand keeps falling, let's, again, I talk about this in every video, I think. If we get to about three months out, right now in the United States, we're about a month in, a little bit over a month, month and a week into this lockdown. If this goes three months, late late May for um, China and East Asia, June timeframe for Europe, let's say, when they started going on lockdown, July timeframe for the United States. If we are still not quote unquote back to normal, most companies in the world have less than three months of cash or in cash flow to stay involved or to stay in business. The next video I'm doing on Thursday, I'm going to talk more about that because we're seeing more businesses either getting ready to file for bankruptcy or filing for bankruptcy or putting off bankruptcy for now. <laughs> but the debt terms are horrible. So then there's no way they'd be able to be able to repay them. So I'm going to go through that stuff on Thursday. But today I want to specifically talk about the oil stuff. Do I think United States and other governments around the world will kind of um, bail these companies out? Yes. But again, if demand stays super low or goes even lower than it is now for three to six months, we're looking at massive problems in the oil industry and those second, third, fourth, and fifth order effects that I talked about or potentially happening. Again, I don't like talking about this stuff. You can see me right now, I'm smiling. I like, I'm a super happy person. If anybody watching this video has seen me lately or has seen me the last few months in person, I'm always smiling, always happy, always optimistic, always looking at the bright side of things. I don't like talking about this stuff, but nobody is talking about this stuff. 
and it makes no sense. Mainstream media isn't talking about this stuff. Most blogs aren't talking about this stuff. And if they are, they're deemed as crazy. This stuff has already happened in world history. This is not outside. Is it probable that it's going to happen? Probably not. Is it, is it probable that another Adolf Hitler or Mao Zedong or Pol Pot or um, – I always forget the Italian guy's name uh, – Mussolini. Is it probable that we're going to see – and uh, Hirohito as well from Japan. Is it, is it probable that we are going to see these kinds of horrible tyrants? Hey, Deep. Hope you're doing good. Is it probable that we are going to see these types of people rise to power? I would say no. Is it possible? Is it within the realm of possibility? Yes, because again, it's already happened in the last hundred years. So I don't know what the answer is. Again, unless demand picks up, I don't know what the answer is. Um, and again, I, in the last video I talked about this, I don't think if we open world economies tomorrow, I think fewer than 20% of people would probably go back to their normal quote unquote lives and being out in large groups and traveling on airplanes and cruise ships and going to movie theaters and dining in restaurants and going to hotels, I think fewer than 20% of people in the world would be comfortable doing that right now, even if we open up the world economy tomorrow. So I don't know what the answer is in terms of that, and that affects the demand of oil. I don't know what the answer is. But if we get to three months, about three-month mark, so May, or late May, early June time frame, we're going to be in massive trouble. And uh, yes, I'm doing good. How's the real estate market in the U.S.? I will answer that question deep. Um, thanks for the question. I don't know what the answer is to all this, but again, I'm just telling you this to prepare. Um, that's why I say in every video, raise cash, stay healthy. And I'll talk about that at the end as well. Um, before I answer your question deep. So what's likely to happen in the oil business if, let's say, ExxonMobil, um, Chevron, Shell, these kind of giant international corporations are the only ones, quote unquote, left with oil prices this low? They're going to buy these other assets out at either super low prices and add them to their asset base, or they're going to buy these assets out and either idle them, stop them, or just completely cut them out of operation. Again, how do I know this? Because I've studied John D. Rockefeller, what he did in the uh, late 1800s, 1900s, early 1900s. When oil prices fell and there wasn't enough demand for oil, because at his company Standard Oil, he bought out companies because they had so much capital and so much assets that they could, they could buy other companies. And they either integrated in, them into Standard Oil or they completely just cut, uh, shut their operations down. This brought oil and supply and demand back into focus, which raised prices, or back into kind of equilibrium, which raised prices and made oil companies profitable. Before John D. Rockefeller came around, there were constant oil fluctuations up and down and massive bankruptcies, uh, cycles of bankruptcies, profits, bankrupt, bankruptcies, profits. John D. Rockefeller fixed this again. Illegal now, what he did, a lot of it. Um, I don't condone a lot of what he did, but from a business perspective, they didn't have the rules back then that we did, and what he did was masterful. It worked. And Standard Oil became arguably one of the most valuable companies in world history. Estimated value today, more than $1.5 trillion based on inflated dollars or after accounting for inflation. That's likely a similar thing as what's going to happen if these oil companies go bankrupt and mass. They're either going to be bought and integrated into some of these larger oil companies or they're going to be bought and their operation is just going to be completely cut. This will lower supply. To, down to demand level, let's say it's 50 million barrels a day after all this is kind of situated. And then once we get go back to quote unquote normal, that will demand will keep going up. And then these companies will have to build their demand capabilities back up if we don't transition to things like solar and wind, um, which these companies are doing as well. So again, is it good that that's probably going to happen? Probably not, but it's probably what, or it's probably what's going to happen based again on history. Okay, Deep asked, um, how is the real estate market in the U.S. doing? 
again, before I answer this, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything that I mentioned in the talk about oil, let me know. If you have any questions about anything, let me know um, as well, and I'll answer them for you. So Deep asked, how is the real estate market in the U.S.? It's, <laughs> again, I'm nervously laughing. It's pretty much completely come to a stop. Uh, new build orders were down, uh, which new build homes, I think it was down like 9% in the first quarter. Numbers just came out a couple days ago. That, that might be 6 to 9%. I don't remember the exact number because um, I didn't plan on talking about that today. But it was down for the first time since the Great Recession, um, to that large of a degree at least, since the Great Recession. Companies like JP Morgan and Bank of America and Wells Fargo are raising their standards of buying uh, people buying houses. You have to have a 700 credit score at least. And you have to have 20% down on many mortgages. Yes, there are still ways around this. But they're raising their standards on these mortgages, which is slowing demand for not only building new homes, but also buying homes and getting mortgages as well. So the real estate market has not completely stopped like many other industries in the United States around the world, but it's slowly kind of screeching to a halt. Um, I don't know if this goes on for, again, another couple months. It's going to be really bad for not only the United States and world economies, but specifically to your question, it's going to be bad for real estate. In the United States, I think there are pockets of massive overvaluation, San Francisco area, Silicon Valley, um, um, San Diego, LA, New York, probably Chicago to a, to a degree, um, Miami. These places around the United States are overvalued to a large degree, but in general, I don't think the real estate market is overvalued like it was in 2006, 2007 timeframe. However, again, if we get to this towards two, three months out and we have major issues with not only all the stuff I've talked about, but also leading to issues with people buying houses and selling houses and then prices are probably going to fall. Do I think it's going to be bad as bad as back in the Great Recession? No. But if this goes on for, let's say, 12 months to 18 months, I have no idea at that point what's going to happen. Um yeah, no, this is this is literally, so far I've talked about in these videos, the oil industry today, um, real estate market, last week's video, I answered some questions on that, um, tourism industry, hotels, uh, travel agents, cruise ships, uh, restaurants, that kind of stuff, I talked about that in a video last week, and... Um, some other stuff. This is going to affect every, pretty much every single industry. Pretty much every single industry in time if this goes on for long enough. Because again, 70% of the United States economy is based on consumption. If millions and millions of people more continue to lose their jobs, let's say the unemployment rate probably right now, and this will change on Thursday when the new numbers come out, probably right now it's estimated to be about 15%. Numbers we haven't seen since the Great Depression. This is just in the last month. This means people have less and less money to consume stuff, which affects the U.S. economy, which affects the global economy, which affects things down to people being able to buy food for their kids. This, again, all of this stuff is connected, and the coronavirus stuff is one of the major reasons all of this is kind of just going to crap, frankly. <laughs> Right now, um, yes, I, again, I talked about this a couple of videos ago that th these issues have been building for years because of low interest rate and negative interest rate policies um, by U.S. and federal reserves around the world, leading to more and more debt for companies. So this has been building for a long time, but this coronavirus stuff is the match, and it's just it's not just caught on fire. It's just exploding um, really fast, and it, I said this to my mom the other day. Things have gotten weird really fast about the last month, month and a half. With this oil stuff and this other stuff that I talked about, things are going to get a lot weirder. 
in the next few months. Um, and again, I don't know the answer. I'm just saying based on my historical studies, uh, both finance and world history and um, economics and finance, I'm trying to help everybody kind of explain not only what's happening, why it's happening, but what could happen if this goes on for any length of time, um, what kind of could happen. Um, does anybody else have any questions about anything while I'm still on? Again, I don't like to ramble. I want to help people as much as I can. I could do this stuff. I could talk about this stuff all day uh, because, frankly, it fascinates me as well. But I don't want to bore you either. Um, so if you have any questions, ask them now before I get off of here. While I'm waiting for that, any – oh, and actually, before I get to that, so should you invest in oil stocks right now, oil and gas stocks? That's probably another question you're wondering. I actually got it uh, from a couple people yesterday. Should you invest in oil and gas stocks right now? I would not. Not only, not only because I don't invest in them because they're so complex now and so kind of uncertain even before all this craziness happened, but right now there's so much uncertainty. There's such a high risk for potential bankruptcies that I would not right now. Yes, oil is worth more than zero. Yes, oil prices are going to go up. But in the meantime, if this goes on for any length of time, there would be mass bankruptcies, mass failings in this industry, um, and there's going to be massive pain in the stocks for these companies as well. So um, I would not, again, not just because I'm biased against these kind of companies because of their complexity, but there's too much uncertainty right now for me to even consider investing in this arena right now. So, um, but the way I always end these videos is I talk about what you should be doing in these unprecedented times, raising cash, stay healthy. If you can sell stuff on eBay, if you need to um, sell stuff you don't need, put some job offerings on Fiverr and LinkedIn and Upwork, do some consulting, start an online business. If you can work towards making money, everybody has a skill. Um, my two-year-old daughter has a skill. Everybody has a skill, something they can sell, something they have a value, uh, knowledge of experience that they can sell to help other people. If you can work towards doing that, you should, because right now we are in unprecedented times. Similar stuff to the Great Depression that I talked about earlier. We're seeing a lot of similarities similarities to the Great Depression, frankly, scary similarities on how kind of similar they are. Raise cash any way you can. Of course, not illegally. Um, that is safe. Stay healthy, not only for your own personal health, because if you can't stay, if you get sick, you can't make money. Um, if you get sick, not only can you not make money and raise more cash, but you might get your loved one sick, which would make you probably feel awful. So stay, raise cash, stay healthy. I'm going to make a video specifically about what I mean by raise cash in depth um, probably next week because it's not just selling all your stuff and getting cash. It's more nuanced than that, but it's, it's a very important discussion as well because cash is going to be king or it's, it, it already was king. Cash flow is king, um, and that's what we're going to see probably – a ton of bankruptcies if we get to about three months of these lockdowns and shortages and stoppages and whatever because most companies don't have three months of cash flow but also for you on a personal basis um super important well not only for paying bills and staying on top of that kind of stuff paying down debt all that kind of stuff i'm gonna go through all this in the in the video as well in the future video um but also gives you options so so um raise cash Stay healthy. Um, I don't see any other questions at this point. I'll be on for sure back on on Thursday at 12:30 as well. Um, again, I was asked last week by a former teacher what times I usually do these. I'm trying to get more on a schedule um, with these, so more people can watch them. 12:30 p.m. Eastern right now is kind of what I'm gauging at on Tuesday and Thursday. Last week, I did a, a live session on Facebook on Saturday as well. Um, so I might do some in-between, but for now, Tuesday and Thursday are the kind of the days I'm looking at to do for live videos. So if you have any questions, 
let me know. Bring them to the next session. If you have anybody watching this that you think might value or might benefit from this in any way, please share this with them. I'm trying to help people not only in their personal lives, but avoid scammers as well, because the scammers are going to come out. They do every time there's a, any kind of financial crisis like this. They haven't come out yet to a large degree, but they will come out at some point, and I want to help as many people poss as possible. Not only stay solvent, stay profitable during these times, stay healthy um, with, this, with this information, but also stay away from the scammers as well. So I hope this helped. hope you found this of value. Um, until next time, I'll see you most likely again on Thursday or for sure on Thursday. Um, I don't know. I'll probably want to do one tomorrow as unless something crazy happens again. <laughs> but for sure on Thursday, I'll see you. And again, make sure to share this with anybody that you think might benefit from this in any way possible. So um, thanks for watching. Have a great day. I'll talk to you again soon.